0: Hey, hey, friends, I'm Kelsey. And I'm Emma, and you're listening to Foyer Chats. Here in the Foyer, we talk all things business, lifestyle, and everything in between. Come for the coffee shop style chats, leave with a fire under your booty to take on all the things. All right, Emma, you ready to dive in? Heck yeah, let's go. you are listening to another episode of Foyer chats podcast we are your hosts emma joe wasink and kelsey pasma let me ask you a question have you ever felt overwhelmed as an entrepreneur maybe felt like you were being stretched just a little bit too thin trying to accomplish hashtag all the things but just keep running out of hours at the end of the day yeah i think we've all been there and we totally feel you Today, we had the pleasure of sitting down with Sarah Hart, the founder and CEO of Simply Curated, a home fragrance company. And let me tell you, you are not going to want to skip past this episode. With almost 10 years of experience running her own small business, Sarah is a complete wealth full of knowledge when it comes to many, many things. But especially when it comes to scaling, and even more specifically, when it comes to outsourcing. Sarah touches on what types of things you can outsource, the financial side of outsourcing, what it looks like to get started outsourcing, and so much more. Okay, before I spill all the tea, let's just get right to it. Welcome to Sarah.
1: Well, hello, Sarah. Thank you for coming on Foyer Chat's podcast with us. We're super pumped that you're here.
2: Well, thank you so much for inviting me. It's super exciting, and congratulations on the podcast. Launch.
1: Thank awesome. you, thank you, thank you. It's been really fun, and you were one of the guests when we first started this. I mean, we, all three of us, have been at coffee shops together, run into each other, and the conversation just flows and goes like crazy. And we're like, okay, we need to stop this conversation and have it on the podcast. So that is what we are doing today.
0: We um, literally did that at all... the last at the coffee <laughs> shop, didn't we? We said we need to stop talking yeah. and save this. <laughs> 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 I love it.
1: Exactly. So I would love it if you could start off telling us all the things about you, how you got started in this career path and all of that. Yeah, well,
2: um, I'm Sarah Hart and I own a home fragrance company called Simply Curated. And Simply Curated uh, started out of my desire to curate mainly vintage items. I started buying things at thrift stores and estate sales and i wanted to resell them and really curate a collection that really showed you know my point of view and this was um probably 10 years ago um i knew i wanted to build you know my own brand right from the start i had been working in marketing for years and i knew that it was going to be important to set up a website get a domain name do all of that stuff you know the right way. And after I was doing that, selling things online, shipping them. So we're talking about kind of like medium, small to medium size items that could easily be shipped. Um, After doing that for a little while, I started making candles in vintage barware that I had found. And that really sparked a, a different love that I wasn't expecting. And that was instead of just curating you know, different things, I realized that we uh, that I had started curating fragrances. And this was a big deal because for me, I didn't love scented candles. They gave me a headache. And so to discover that I could create a product that I really enjoyed the fragrance of and that didn't ca- contain any of, of the, you know, chemicals that were really triggering my fragrance sensitivities was a big revelation. Wow. And I think very early on, I got this sense that this company could be bigger and more than just, you know, making candles in these, in these vintage glassware. And I think that a lot of times when you start a business, there, there's a period of time, especially those first few years, where you can see the vision. You can really see kind of how big you want it to be. But to everybody else, especially, I think sometimes your friends and family around you, they just don't see it yet. And it's going to take a while for them to catch up where you're like, I always knew we would get here. I always knew we would have this and this and this. But in the beginning, um, it's a bit of a leap of faith for for you as the entrepreneur to kind of just like move forward and say, okay, I'm going to try to do this and and launch this. So after about a year, I relaunched into as a a purely a candle brand and kind of rebranded our packaging. And that was kind of the start of what simply curated it is today
0: i love something that you just said because i think that you're so right that it, a lot of times it is a friends and families that they don't quite understand it even if you try to explain it you have this whole idea and you might not be able to get it out but i think that's one of the first like very big roadblocks that most entrepreneurs have and i don't think we've touched on that at all before but that's that's really interesting that you say that and it's so so true um and i also really like how your business shifted so so much and you probably when you were figuring out the candles it had to have gone through your mind well this is going to be like a much more sustainable business to keep going to right yeah i think when even when i first shifted to making candles in vintage glass i thought it could
2: just be that and then eventually it reached a point where i wasn't able to keep up with just finding these glasses like you know, organically at thrift shorts, thrift stops or, um, or at, you know, state sales or whatever, I was having to buy them from other resellers on Etsy and eBay. And that really drove up my cost of goods. And all of a sudden I was just realizing this isn't, this isn't scalable. Um, it, it might've been sustainable for just me, but I knew that I wanted it to become something bigger. And in order to do that, I really needed, more control over all of the different channels of um of materials that that i was getting into make a finished product so yeah it kind of set me on that path and i had i had a plan but then i realized i didn't have any money to execute that plan and i kind of felt stuck (laughs) because i had big dreams and they were expensive dreams and um (laughs) Yeah, that was kind of I, I stopped for a few months, not, not stopped entirely, but, you know, things kind of slowed down because I was like, oh, I don't know what to, where to go from here until my mom one day was just like, oh, my gosh, get a job. And I got a job as a nanny for a whole year. I gave this family a one year commitment and said, you know, to myself, OK, after a year, you have to be able to, you know, this business has to be able to stand on its own and, and support you. And even if it wasn't supporting me the same way that it is today with the same amount of money, it was enough um, to to be where when I moved from New York to Grand Rapids after that one year of nannying for that family, I have not had another job that was not simply curated the entire time.
1: Wow. I was that hard for you to get a job? I mean, you have all these dreams and visions and you had to like step back and, and pause a minute and say, okay, I, I do need to do this in order to see this further vision that I have coming true. What was that like personally? Yeah. I mean, well, I had
2: I had previously had a career. I was working as a social media manager for AOL for like two years. And I think when I quit that job to kind of I think a lot of people have this, a lot of entrepreneurs have this, um, I I call it like a false start full-time where you're just like, I'm going to quit my job and go full-time. And then you realize that that's not really what you're doing. Um, Just because you don't have another job doesn't mean that your side hustle is a full-time gig. And it, it, it it comes down to like, you know, the numbers and I was fortunate enough in my situation at the time, everyone's starting situation is different. I was, 26, I was living in my parents' house still. So my external expenses were personally were really low. So as long as I could put gas in my car and, you know, buy the occasional lunch that I really needed, all of the money I was making from this new job I got was going straight into the business, including money that I took out of, you know, I, I, I emptied any, Start of any 401ks I had, I emptied Apple stock that I had from when I worked there. You know, I took out my own money and then used what I was making from this job to really fund. Um, Initially, I I worked with a design firm to do kind of like a little rebrand to design the packaging because I didn't know anything about packaging design back then. Um, And all of that was going to cost a lot of money. Um, but yeah, it was definitely scary, but I, I intentionally having worked in a corporate creative, you know, creative, creative, adjacent, however you consider marketing, um, job before where, you know, you're getting emails at six in the morning and there's fires to put out. And it's kind of all the time. I very much wanted a job that was not creative, where it was just like, I go here, I take care of these kids when I leave that I don't need to think about it until I come back the next morning. Right. I could work you know, in the evenings on my business and during my work wasn't creeping into my, my side hustle time and vice versa. And I think a lot of creatives initially when they realize they need a job or, you know, they'll start freelancing in a very adjacent field to like what they're trying to do as their business. And a lot of times the overlap is too, too close. Sometimes you just need something that pays the bills. And maybe that means working at a coffee shop. Maybe that means, you know, nannying maybe you know, there's a lot of different things where you're not actually using those creative muscles and you can save all that energy for for your business for the the five to nine hustle while you work your nine to five
0: i can relate to this a lot i actually did i shipped grocery shopped for a while when i left my job just yeah to, to have something that was coming in to pay the bills while i was trying to get my business up and running but i don't think i've ever heard it that way where you know it'd be it's kind of nice to have it not be a creative space because yeah you can you can leave it when you when you leave your nine if, if it's if it's a nine to five you go there you leave you don't have to bring it home it's so true so
1: and there's probably less of it may be easier to leave too I mean, thinking back on my story, it was so, it, I was in interior design and I was so passionate about it, but I knew I wanted to work for myself and that mix of interior design, photography, both creative, exactly what you're saying. I'm like, that was exactly my life. I was leaving this job I loved and running out of energy and creative fuel to then go do my shoots at night. And I was just dead. Whereas, yeah, if it's something that doesn't relate, it might be easier to transition on. I think it's different for everybody. It's just, um,
2: a matter of like how you are as, as a person. And like, for, for me, I needed to separate them. It's, I'm not saying that like, that's the only way to really, to really do it. But I needed, um, I needed that, you know, and, and it made it easier then to also say goodbye to that job because it was kind of like, okay, cut and dry. This served its purpose instead of like leaving a job that you really do love, um, yeah, it just made it easier to kind of take the leap of faith um in moving to Grand Rapids.
1: It's so cool to hear your unique story with that because that is I haven't heard that before. Um so we appreciate you telling us. But I want to now fast forward a couple years and let's get talking into outsourcing a little bit. So as you've scaled and grown, it's kind of like that same thought of like okay, I can't, this isn't scalable with just me here. Um So when or what was that point um, when you figured out that it was the right time to start hiring on or adding people and like were there any specific indicators or that because you have a pretty big team right now or did I mean it's been a a journey right?
2: (laughs) Yeah I feel like our team size it's always like in, in flux, up and down we've had as many as four not including myself and now we're to not including myself. So we, we go up and down, I think both kind of seasonally and then also just with the pandemic and everything um, obviously changed a lot about how I was hiring and the people that I wanted physically in, in our space. Um, but pretty quickly I realized um, the, the indicator for me was the fact that like I would work hard on sales I would do a bunch of cold emailing, trying to get into trying to work on the wholesale side of the business, getting my product into retail stores, small, independent retail stores. So really easy to just do that outreach, email the store owner or the buyer, pitch your product, you know, you're trying to get some orders. Then I would get an order or two and I would spend the next week making that order, getting it ready, you know, then shipping it out. And then the next week would come and I would realize, I don't have any more orders. There's nothing else to make. I have to go back to doing sales cuz I wasn't doing the two things at the same time or I, I wasn't able to do all of the sales and the marketing and the social media while also making everything to that same at that same volume. So, that was the first time I decided to to hire somebody. And initially, it was just part-time, you know, we're talking about a couple hours a week, um getting somebody in to really help on the on the production side, on the making side. And everybody is different. Some people that would not be the first thing that they outsource if they really, really love it. For me, I love the process of building a business, of growing the brand of the sales and marketing more than I loved the physical making of the candles every day. So it was easy to train someone else on that and try to focus on the sales and marketing side.
0: I think it's, I, I can relate to this so much because I think when you are in a creative product, Based business, which I feel like I'm kind of in both, to be honest. But when you're in a product based business, most people assume that that's your favorite part is the actual making of whatever product it is. And that's, I mean, for me, that's the part that I want to outsource right away. <laughs> like I like to do with all, like you said, all the business side of things. And um, yeah, so that's just, you're speaking to me right now because this is where I am at trying to figure out if I should start outsourcing yet. So. <laughs> And in in your particular business, I think my favorite part would probably be sourcing. Yes, that is fun. And I should say that. We didn't even say that in the beginning. The reason we even got together is because Sarah's Candles are in a lot of my client gifts. (laughs) And they're a crowd favorite. So, um, but yeah, that is true. The product, um, hunting for products is really fun. Um, And I, yeah, the design of it, all that kind of stuff. So, so one thing that like, at least for me, when I think about it, the scariest thing I think about it is investing financially. So how did you kind of go over that whole hurdle? You said you only did a couple hours a week to begin with. Um, but how did you kind of figure out when you were ready for that financially?
2: I mean, I probably didn't figure it out the right way that you, you should figure it out. Um, I would say, first of all, you need to know that like your margins are enough and you've allocated for labor in those cost of goods margins. This is physical products we're talking about here. It's pretty I say it's pretty easy, but um, you're gonna run into cash flow things because even though you know that you're even though I were I know my margin on one candle is this much labor and this much cost of wax and whatever, I still had to buy the wax, you know, a 50 pound box at a time or two fifty pound boxes at a time or whatever I was doing back then. So your cash flow was not really reflecting your profitability in the same way. So it was easier for me to just kind of like start slow and lean into it. But I think that there's two ways of thinking about it. You can hire somebody where that person is going to be in an active role that makes you money so that whether that's a sales role or something like that, where their job is also making you money or where their job is freeing up your time, where you're the 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 CEO, you're working at $100 an hour and they're working at $15 an hour or $13 an hour or whatever it is, and you can be making the business much more money with your time based on doing sales and outreach and marketing while this other person is physically making and and maybe even helping you fulfill and ship um, the goods at the end of the day. So. You really need to know how the business is bringing in money. How are you going to increase that activity by bringing this person on, whether that's freeing up your time to increase the activity yourself or that person is increasing in sales activity in some way. Um, And then you kind of also have to take a leap of faith and we, you have to, you have to know that it might not be consistent, you know, might not have somebody all the time and, things might go up and down. So also like think back to your previous years. When was your busiest time of year? What were the times where you were absolutely slammed? Trying to hire in advance of that because you still need time to train somebody, you still need time to do whatever so that you're more prepared. Every business has different cycles. Like your busy time might not be the same as my busy time or whatever, but you know where those ebbs and flows kind of are and learning how to ride those waves instead of fighting against them. I think is a good habit to get into because then there are naturally times where, you know, you might have seasonal employees and when they're kind of done for the season, then it's a great time for you to take a little vacation or, you know, and then kind of pick
0: back up with certain things. Well, and I think with most creative businesses and maybe it's not just creative, but there is some sort of seasonality to it in a way like Kelsey is in it right now, in the thick of it right now. So this might be a better time for her to be outsourcing. For me, typically it's more towards Christmas time, which I I'm assuming is more you too, Sarah. Um, I think something that a lot of people maybe struggle with that you just touched on. I I don't think this is something that you personally struggled with because <laughs> I we've I think we've talked about this a little bit, but. Sometimes it's hard when you are just starting out to realize your value as a business owner. So when you say, you know, I should, I'm CEO, that's a hundred dollars an hour. Well, that might be terrifying for someone starting out to be like, no, I, no, I don't. I should be making fifty, whatever it is just to get you by But I think when you shift your mindset to that, it helps you realize that, yeah, do you know what? This is the right time for me to start outsourcing or my time could be better spent in this other, I'm literally in this right now, trying to figure out the numbers to it. So,
2: I mean, and I'm, I'm not saying that I paid myself a hundred dollars an hour. It's just that it's the mindset of like your time being more valuable. Right. And, and who's doing revenue generating activities. And so in a business like Kelsey's, that might mean when it's busy, you're really ramping up the hours for a VA you might have, because what's happening is you're your inquiries for 2022 weddings are falling through the cracks because it's so busy. And yet all the brides seem to want to contact us in the summer. I don't know why, but you know, I think that's a pretty good window.
1: Are you seeing my screen right now? Because I've had two come through during this conversation and I'm like, Oh my gosh, I have a pile there, which it's, it's, I'm not saying that I always have that at all because it is such a seasonal thing and all of that. But no, I want to pipe in too, because outsourcing really quick obviously in your business that's maybe the first thing you're thinking of but there are life things too and think about your time beyond the construct of your work day i got called out the other day because i was sitting at my husband's softball game with one of the other a guy watching and he was asking me if i was doing something that night And like no i got to go home to work i took the morning off and cleaned or something and he looks at me and he goes what are you doing cleaning your house? You're a hundred dollar an hour person. Why don't you pay someone 25 an hour and never worry about cleaning your house? And I like was a little shook by that. And my mom says the same thing sometimes because it's something that like really stresses me out just to be honest, which is so dumb. It's a little thing, but it outsourcing my point being can mean that can be mean getting your groceries delivered, but it also, yeah, thinking about in your business and all of that too.
2: I think that when I was first, when I was first doing this, it was easier, not easier, but it was different for me in that, like I didn't have anything else going on. Like it was my, my business was my life. I was single. I was working. I mean, I still work probably like 80 hours a week, but it was, there weren't other things that were falling through the cracks, like, because that was the, the only thing. And it's funny because there, I was looking back at the beginning of the year, um, I had done some kind of like recaps of years prior and I was looking back at on the one year where I had really made a focus, a shifted focus on my health. And because I didn't balance, rebalance the scales, I was taking time away from the business to focus on other things, but I didn't put somebody else in charge in the business to then continue focusing on those things that I was not paying as much attention to. Um, You know, the revenue stalled because I, my focus was somewhere else. And that wasn't necessarily a good or a bad decision. It's just that it is a scale balancing thing. If you're going to take time out from away from the business, you know, you need to figure out how to um, you know, outsource or get somebody else into to kind of be making sure that things stay on a growth trajectory, I guess.
0: Yeah, for sure. And I think um, something that you just said too It's, you know, success is different to everyone. It might be you have extra time to work on your health or hang out with your husband or whatever it is, but someone else's definition of success might be they really want to be in their business 24-7 and they want to be making X amount. Um, So let's dive into that a little bit more because I know that that's something that we've discussed too because in seasons of your business, you've shifted you've shifted You know, how many people you're bringing on or how much money you're taking in? What do you want those levels to be at? Do you need more people? Do you not need more people? Um, Just figuring out what success is to you. Yeah, I
2: think that the past year really made me re-examine that in a lot of ways. And I think that I was always kind of chasing this arbitrary revenue, like annual revenue goal. Um, And we had kind of like plateaued at a point that was a lot lower than where I thought things might plateau at um, for a couple of years, and what I found out when we were doing our uh, like our 2020 year in review uh, with our bookkeepers, what we realized was that the revenue had gone down, but the profit had increased um, exponentially. The revenue had gone down slightly, but mostly stayed the same because. Of our change in labor costs because we weren't traveling for all these trade shows and had all those extraneous trade show expenses, and so while that won't be that way forever, um, you know I definitely put in more sweat equity that year, and and so did my husband. Um, it, it was like, okay. How can we take the lessons learned from this time where we were constrained in a different way, but it got us a, a better outcome. Um, how can we take those lessons and apply them going forward? When we will still have to do trade shows, we will still have to have some of these expenses, but how can you do more and make your process more efficient? Um, because you know, hiring is one thing, but as you continue to scale, if you're still doing things the way you were doing them before you haven't changed or modified that process to scale, as you grow, you, you can't just keep adding people to this process that was maybe only built, you know, Emma, just, just for you to do it by yourself when you sit back and you have to write it out and you're like, okay, what are our order of operations for, you know, putting together a box? It might be different when you're teaching somebody else and it might be different a year from now when you have, you know, multiple people doing it. Are you going to do it in an assembly line kind of way? Or are you going to have one person focus on completing one box and it might change, from one year to the next, as as things grow and you kind of learn what's um, what's working, but I think always being able to be flexible to to change ha- how you're doing things and how like, what the process is um, as you scale is just as important and and just as beneficial in saving you money or and or making you know more profit as you know figuring out if it's the right time to hire you know another person.
0: Well, and I think maybe this is more um, product-based business. I'm not really sure. But um, the thing that's coming in my head right now is because first time I went to go pick up stuff from you, you had the, <laughs> the thing that um, you put all the packing peanuts in and it makes it a thousand times easier to pack up shipping boxes. Okay. Well, maybe it's a lot better for me to invest. I mean, it's only a couple hundred bucks, right? I don't know. Um, it's probably better for me to invest that. In rather than paying a person, you know, paying a person to stuff all this. Well, maybe I should be putting my money towards something that is going to make my processes easier. And I think for like a service-based provider, maybe that's maybe that's a different system. Like Kelsey, I know you use HoneyBook. Like maybe it's maybe it's something that makes your systems easier for you. It doesn't necessarily have to be another person. So I think figuring out where that balance is and um, And just what what do you want this business to look like? What do you want your life to look like? And how can you make those two merge?
1: Exactly. I mean, I can relate to that in a service-based business form with outsourcing my editing. Yes, that's another person doing it, but I'm not. I'm just paying them for whenever the heck I send them a gallery to edit. I don't have to commit to a certain hourly rate. They're not like a family member or anything that I'm paying for a certain you know commitment. So I... So what I've been doing is outsourcing some edit, some weddings and for me that part of the process I can still have a hand in the creative direction of it and set you know some anchor edits and all of that and then I'm sending it off to somebody that I have a great relationship with. They're in California. He's a bigger business. He does this for a ton of weddings. It's not an emotional you know connection for me of like oh I need to send him 10 galleries otherwise he's not gonna you know make his Month or whatnot, it's it's much less like that. But then on the other hand, I do hire my little cousin in the summers when she's not in school, and she does some of other like assistant st- style things for me too. So exactly that. There's different ways to outsource. It does not have to be a commitment of part time or full time or paying for benefits or you know all of that too. Something that I did in
2: this category was hiring uh, a bookkeeping firm because I, it was something that it was like, this isn't complicated. I, I can do this. And then it just was the thing that never ended up getting done. It always got to push to the bottom of the pile of the to-do list or whatever. And it was really costing me money by not having that done and ready. And sometimes when you set up something where you're like, okay, this is going to be this much a month to hire this, this company um it might sound like a lot at first but if you think about it in terms of the hours that you're saving yourself from doing it um it usually works out pretty well in your in your favor in, in that way
0: okay this is this is something that we we're going to ask you in our rapid fire but do you kn- do you know your enneagram number yes i am a, an eight <laughs> okay I knew that, but (laughs) I was just going to ask it. Um, Do you you find that that plays into this a little bit where you're like, really, it's kind of hard to give up the control of it or giving someone else the control of any part of your business? How do do you, I'm just bringing this question on you, but how do you find that and how do you work around that?
2: Um, I think having other people who are aware that that might be your tendency is really good, because they need to remind you when you're doing that. Um, my husband has to remind me all the time, hey, you're you're taking too much on yourself. Uh, Same. <laughs> you've got to let, you know, you've got to have somebody else help or somebody else do this. Um, and even recently, you know, we're, we're, we're contemplating when is the right time to hire again. And it's this constant back and forth of feeling like there's not enough hours of work, but that might be perfect for somebody. Like, 15, 20 hours a week might be perfect for somebody. You just don't know. And you're just afraid to put it out there because it doesn't seem like it's enough, but you don't know everybody's situation. You don't know what their financial situation is, what their family situation is. And that might be just what they're looking for. Uh, The problem with my problem, the problems that I run into with the business is that even if it's just 15, 20 hours a week, uh, it's, it's very complicated. Meaning like You're going to have to understand and learn a lot of different systems and processes um, for just this, you know, kind of seemingly tiny part-time job. You still need to take on a ton of responsibility and I need to trust you with a a ton of responsibility. And at the same time, I don't have 40 hours a week and full benefits to to give that person. So it, it feels a bit like I'm asking for the sun, the moon, and the stars. And then I think that fear stops me from putting it out there in the
0: first place. I can relate to this so much. I'm also an eight, which we've talked about. But I think um, something that you just said about trusting someone else with that, that is something that as an eight, I'm, I I'm—I mean, I do. So I'm, I'm assuming that you kind of struggle with just, it's, you know, your business is your baby. You've built this forever and trusting any part of it to somebody else, it's its a little scary. But um, it's, it's cool to see where you are in your business and how you've maneuvered um, all of that. So I love to hear that. So as you're moving forward in your business, I'd love to hear what are you most excited for in your business and where is Simply Curated headed? Like what things are you excited about moving forward here?
2: I'm really excited about, uh, about growing the the brand in other directions that, you know, some of them are candle directions and some of them are not candle directions. And I think that I came to this realization a couple months ago that, uh, you know, it's so funny, the name Simply Curated, and I kind of gave you guys the the origin story. And it was, it's funny, because I used to think, oh, man, when we rebranded, we probably should have changed the name, because Simply Curated doesn't mean anything. It doesn't have anything to do with candles. Like, it's just kind of a weird name for, you know, like a candle company. So I, I thought that maybe at some point, I should have you know, maybe change the name of the company or rebrand it in some way. And then it felt like, okay, now it's too late and who cares if it doesn't really make sense. But I realized the thing that we've actually been curating this whole time have been these fragrances that we've developed. Um, that's kind of the intellectual property that I have to grow. And how can I use those fragrances in other areas and give people different ways to experience them, whether those are just different sized candles or different products or different packaging to different products that are not candles. And so we've been working on a liquid hand wash and a hand lotion. And I'm so excited to launch those and kind of be able to continue to extend. Like our first extension was reed diffusers and those have done okay, but to be honest, we launched them in March of 2020. And so I feel like my data on how well or not they did is really, really skewed. But we're continuing on the path of extending those core five fragrances into other products. And I'm just really excited to see how people receive it because we've been using the soap here in the office and at home now for like a while. And I'm actually really obsessed with it. And I never thought I would care about like a fancy liquid hand wash, but it's so nice. So I'm just excited for people to
1: start trying it and experiencing our fragrances in other ways. Well, if you need a test dummy, you got two right here. <laughs> no, I'm super excited for that. That's awesome. Um, I want to know either when you were first starting out, what was the best piece of advice you got um, business-wise or what is something you would share with somebody else who's just starting out and has these big dreams
2: it's so funny because I was just telling this story earlier today, but I have this very vivid memory of reading this article in Entrepreneur magazine when I was kind of, whenever I was starting out, um, whenever I traveled, whether it was for business or not, I used to, I used to really want to just be this very fancy business person who just like traveled for business, and it was, that was like I don't know some weird um, goal I had, but I would always buy. Um, Inc. Magazine and Entrepreneur Magazine at the airport and read them on the plane. Um, I don't know why that was just the thing that I did. There was this article in Entrepreneur from the founders of Justin's Peanut Butter. And this was years ago, um, but they had kind of just blown up pretty recently at the time and i remember starting to see their peanut butter cups everywhere and they had the little almond butter packets they were kind of like the first company to really do that and it was really like exploding and and the the interviewer kind of asked him a question and he said well you know it it takes 10 years to become an overnight success like this is not an overnight success we've been doing this for a long time just because you just found out about us or you know all of a sudden it seems like we're everywhere doesn't make it an overnight success. And that mark in my brain of 10 years, um, it just really stuck with me. And it's interesting because we're coming up on nine years. Well, uh, it'll be nine years in October. So, and as the trajectory of things that have been going on, it feels like it's really growing, but kind of out of not, you know, kind of out of nowhere a little bit, it was really stagnant for a while. So, I'm excited to continue to push forward and keep my foot um, on the gas a little bit and just kind of see where it can go. But the thing that I, w- the piece of advice that I got from that was just because you just found out about somebody's business or you just saw them on Instagram or whatever, don't compare where they are to where you are because you don't know where the backstory you just found them. And it might seem like, Oh my gosh, this person's business is so big and they're everywhere and how they get their but you just don't know the whole picture and just to try to kind of stay on your path, your path is different than somebody else's path and just keep trusting in the process and and moving forward and try not to play that. We all do it, play the comparison
0: game, but um, 10 years is a long time. So (laughs) stick with it. That's so good. That gives me chills because it's, it's, it's so true and it's really hard not to do. It's extremely hard not to do My, I mean, Sarah, I think we've, we've talked about this before. Like there's been several times where I see another gift box company that wherever they are, I assume that they're way more successful than me because they have all these followers or all this, whatever. And well, maybe they had a ton of money invested in from the get go, or maybe, yeah, they've been around for 10 years or whatever it is. Um, so that's, that's really cool. And I, I also really, really want some Justin's dark chocolate covered peanut butter cups right now. <laughs> They're so good. All right. Well, this has been so good, Sarah. I want to make sure that we didn't miss anything that you wanted to bring up for our listeners. Um, but this has been so good. We we need to get coffee again.
2: Yeah, I don't think I I don't think I missed anything. I think it's been a really good conversation. Just kind of giving the through line to like where we are now and the things that I've been thinking about. And it's just funny how things come around because I have always kind of like lamented, lamented. I don't even know if that's the right word, but I guess regretted not really changing our name and feeling like it didn't really fit and realizing that it fit all along and it opens it up to so much more possibility now. Um, So yeah, I'm, I'm very excited. And thank you guys for allowing me to share a little bit of my story.
0: You just said something so good, so good that you, you know, you might have thought that you wanted to change your name, but it's opened up so many doors. That's so cool. Sorry. I'm just, (laughs) I just
1: like that a lot. (laughs) It fits so well. It really is. All right. We're going to transition into rapid fire. So I'm going to just run through a few different fun questions. And the first thing that pops in your head it out so first thing is what is your favorite business software that you use that's a good one
2: um <laughs> i was thinking about the one that we use the most which i don't think is my favorite i think it might be my least favorite sometimes because it's difficult to <laughs> um to use but there's actually this uh, this crm software called i think it's called streak um I'll have to double check and confirm and we can maybe put it in the show notes, but basically it's a CRM that plugs right into Gmail. And so you can add um, emails to pipelines. Basically if you have sales pipelines or things in a flow where somebody's like, they start here and maybe then you don't know if you close this or whatever, you can kind of build it out. I didn't like the idea of having a whole different system when I was using so much email, whether those are different orders and, and, Tagging things just with, like, um, different flags in Gmail was not working for me. So this has been a really cool thing um, to add. It just kind of, like, layers right on, on top of it. So, yeah, that's that's a cool thing that I have been
1: using recently. Emma, I'm realizing how dangerous this question is for us because it just keeps making <laughs> me want to buy all the things, and I have way to raise this. Well, it's right. free. <laughs> what?
2: It's free free if you don't add another, like if it's just you and your business, if you want to add other people to like your team and have them all be able to see the same thing, then I think it starts to cost money, but it's it's free. I would say, Kelsey, that if you're somebody who is using something like HoneyBook, you probably don't need this if your inquiries are coming in through a HoneyBook form. If all of your like incoming leads are coming in that way, then I don't know that you need this. Um, But if you're... I, I struggle with just like managing my inbox. It's just a mess. There's so many things, so many different projects. Like there's, there's short-term needs, there's long-term projects we're working on, and it's just trying to get a way to, to filter and organize it all. I don't know that it's a perfect solution, but um, it is something I do like and definitely something that you can check out because it's free.
1: Okay, next question. Uh, how many sticky notes are out on your desk right now? oh if any one two three i don't know if these count as sticky
2: notes but we just have like random clippings of paper that are inventory sheets that i need to like
1: put in um
2: yeah four it's a little messy
1: (laughs) okay that's not a that's not just 10 um (laughs) i like it i like it okay so if you could fly anywhere in the world right now where would you go italy Italy. Love it. Take me there (laughs) now. How many unread emails do you have in your inbox right now?
2: Uh, 13. (laughs) Well, that's not bad. The thing is, I actually don't, they're, they're unread emails, but the, the thing about my inbox that is not good is that nothing leaves the inbox. I I am not an inbox zero person like it gets read, but like it's all still in there in the one inbox. And I had hired a VA for a little while and she was like, I'm going to try to get you to inbox zero. And I was like, that seems like a really unattainable goal. Um, And yeah, it didn't work at all. Um, There's how many emails are in here? 7,631 emails that are just in the inbox that are not, you know have not been moved to other folders or whatever. They just stay there because I have ADHD. And if I cannot
1: see it, it does not exist. Yes. You're making me feel so much better. I well, I use HoneyBook, so all my client stuff's there. But my personal email that was my business one for a while, I tried to hire a girl, which hopefully she's not listening. And she just ended up ghosting me because it was just too much. Oh, my. <laughs> <never> my <laughs> she quit in a month and a half. Yes. She's like there's there's
2: just a lot. I don't know that I'm like she's like there's it's just very complicated and I'm like I know that's why I hired you. Yeah. Oh my word. It it was really hard and I didn't I didn't uh take the leap back into to figuring it out.
1: Okay, last question. How many beverages are out on your desk right now too? Three.
0: I feel like three is a pretty good number for everyone. What is it? What are they?
2: Um, I mean, there's like the last droplets of an iced coffee, um, a water and another water.
0: (laughs) Yes, That's exactly the same as what our last guest said. So that's funny. (laughs) Awesome. Well, that is all we have. Thank you, Sarah, so much for coming on. Um, I would love for you to plug yourself, see where people can find you, all of that good stuff before we head out
2: yeah well um we're
0: at simply curated
2: in i think all of the places um instagram is really our main social media channel and then we have been trying the TikToks. although lately i haven't been staying on top of social media at all so trying to get back in the swing of things um actually emma's reels have been inspiring me because for a while I was really good at it and doing it all the time and then the last two months I've just it has just been like nothing and the truth is the growth in followers reflects that because it has just flatlined again where I doubled my followers in six months we went from 8600 to 17k and it's just like crazy petered out so Um, yeah, I want to get back into doing that, but that's where people can, can find us and you can shop our candles and our products on simplycurated.com. Another thing you can do on simplycurated.com is look for a store near you that might be carrying our candles and support your local independent retailers.
0: I love it. I love that last little line, (laughs) support your local peeps, peeps. Awesome. Okay. Thank you so much, Sarah. I will be in touch soon because Kelsey's going to go do my dirty work and pick up some candles for me right now. (laughs) So thank you so much for coming on. Guys, if you liked this episode, make sure that you hit subscribe, rate, review, all the things, and we will see you again next time. So thanks.